Thank you, Brendan. Thank you for your welcome. It's great to be back with you again. I realize some of us maybe were not here a year ago, but for me, it's a joy to come back. I had a wonderful weekend away, or at least the last couple of days away, with a number of the pastors from the Common Ground group of churches and, so, and beyond. And it's a sheer delight to uh, just be with them. The worship was wonderful. Uh, something about being with uh, brothers whose lives are dedicated to God, serving the church day in and day out when they get away and without any kind of distraction, come before God and uh, worship Him, uh, well-led with great songs. And it was like going to heaven. And in the midst of this magnificent location in which you live, I don't know how you live. I don't know how you make it. I've just been driven here this morning. Beautiful, beautiful drive. Gareth drove us. Uh, we're, we're right down in Musenberg, so we've just come through, ah, the view. You think, what a God we have. And uh, it's such a joy to be with brothers, as I have been this last couple of days, and to be uh, back with you again. I'm going to be speaking to you this morning from a passage in 1 Kings and uh, chapter uh, 19. And uh, it's about Elijah, and it's an interesting passage. It says in James and the NIV translates it, Elijah was a man just like us. And you think, oh, don't be daft, a man like us. I mean, he prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years, like we do. And, uh, you know, he prayed, and then it rained again. And then he prayed, and fire fell out of heaven, just like us. You know, he's just a man just like us. And uh, you think, come on. And then you come to this chapter, which I'm going to reach with you in a moment. And you say, oh, oh, he is a man just like us. And really, James says it that way to encourage us to be men and women of prayer because he was a man just like us with all the vulnerabilities that we feel. And his vulnerability is writ large in the Bible. I love the Bible. It's such an honest book. It doesn't have superheroes. It has flesh and blood heroes. And uh, we live in a world of, I, I would think, multiplied stress. The pace of life is amazing. If people manage to do this and this, and I can get there as well as that. You think, how did you do all that? And then there comes a moment sometimes when we just think, I don't know if I've got much more to give. Uh, and we just feel, oh, wow, I'm, I'm running out. And that's, that's, how, that's regarded as a modern problem. Stress is a modern problem. But the Bible is timeless and magnificent and tells us about life. And you're going to find in this little reading, Elijah prays the suicide prayer. Take my life away. I mean, that's as low as he gets. That's this man just like us, who just prayed and fire fell from heaven. He's absolutely vindicated as the prophet of God. He's an amazing man, a great giant of the Bible. He prayed, take my life. You know, at one point, Moses said to God, if you're going to do this to me, kill me. So Moses, the servant of God, kill me. One day David said to Jonathan, one day I shall die at the hands of Saul. I mean, these great characters, Elijah, Moses, David, they hit times when they think, I've got nothing more to give. I've run out. And I want to look at this story because I believe we see not only the man who runs out, but a man, praise God, who gets restored, and that's the wonder of knowing Jesus and the great truths we've been singing, that he's for us, he's with us, he's not going to let go of us. And that's, that's why we're still around, but God hasn't let go. Uh, and if we know ourselves, we know that's true. We know that's true. We just keep going. Why? Because God keeps hold of us. He's so kind, merciful, powerful, tender. He keeps hold of us. But we personally, as human beings, can know times when we think, I've got nothing more to give. And we don't always know why, but the Bible's written to encourage us and inspire and motivate us. So that's the background to this story, which I'm going to read with you. Uh, we'll just read uh, chapter 19 and the first, uh, I think, 16 verses. Now, this is after fire has fallen from heaven. Elijah's been incredibly vindicated as an authentic prophet. And now after three and a half years of drought, we've had no rain at all, the rain has come. You thought, wow, this is it. You have reached the pinnacle, Elijah. You are, 
you're the man, you're the man. Chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and even more if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. He said, it's enough, Lord. Now take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he came there in a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the, son of, the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Turn, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword and I alone am left and they seek my life to take it away so he said go forth stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold the Lord was passing by and a great and strong wind was tearing the mountains and breaking the pieces in pieces the rocks before the Lord but the Lord wasn't in the wind and after the wind an earthquake but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord. The God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. The Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you've arrived, you shall anoint Hazael, king over Aram, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel. And Elisha Son of Ashaphat at Abel Mechelah, you shall anoint as in your place. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We love gathering in your presence. We thank you we're not just religious people. We thank you we're the children of the Most High. And we gather to you. Holy Spirit, come now, please. Be our teacher. Take these words, make them live to our hearts. May we be fortified, strengthened, encouraged, blessed, supernaturally blessed by you, Lord. What we do here, let it be a supernatural thing. God himself speaking into our hearts. We do pray for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what happened to this giant of faith? What happened to this guy who seemed to have everything in control before he had gone to Ahab, instructed by God, go and confront the king and say, it won't rain till I say so. It's interesting that we read in James that he had prayed that it would not rain. Why did he pray it wouldn't rain? Well, because God had said back in Deuteronomy, you're my special people. I'm taking you into a special land 
It'll be a land flowing with milk and honey. I'll give you rain in its seasons. I'll give you harvest. I'll bless you. I'll multiply you. Uh, tremendous blessings. But if you go after other gods, I'll stop the rain. That's what God said. I'll stop the rain. And so Elijah's not whistling in the dark. He's not saying, oh, please do something. He's saying, Lord, you said. That's one of the keys to prayer. Lord, you said. You said. You said if we do this, you'll stop the rain. And, and, and Elijah cared about his nation. It's amazing that the time of Ahab and Jezebel is only 58 years, 58 short years. That's shorter than the reign of our queen in England. And in that time, I think there were seven different kings came and went. And from Solomon's reign, when I mean, that was the greatest height probably of Israel's history. David, Solomon, massive kingdom, glorious kingdom. People came to see the glories of the kingdom. 58 years later, worshipping Yahweh is illegal. It's illegal now. And this is, these are God's people, the only people in the world that God is dealing with. God's not speaking to Eskimos. He's not speaking to uh, um, people in uh, Russia. Or, he's speaking that this is his unique people. They're the light of the world. They're the hope of the world. And now it's illegal to worship God among these people, God's special people. Baal is being worshipped. Israelites or Israelite prophets are being slaughtered. That's how, that's how it slipped and slipped and slipped and slipped. Elijah comes at such a time. I look at this, I think, Lord, in my lifetime, what, what has happened? And so Elijah's ever so relevant in his praying for God to work. You know, in our nation now, it's illegal for a nurse to say, can I pray for you in hospital? You can't do that. That's illegal. It would be illegal for certain teachers to say things. It's illegal. What happened? What happened? Things have changed. Things have changed. And what was taken for granted is no longer accepted. We need, we need someone who prays like Elijah. And Elijah's a great figure, a great figure. He prayed. He arrested history. He stood before a king. He, he said, go and confront Ahab. And say so it won't rain. And he didn't say, uh, what's my exit strategy? What do I do afterwards? Oh, you're so bold. It won't rain until I say so. What happens now, Lord? And God says, no, go hide yourself. I think if I said, it won't rain until I say so, I think I'd do a national tour, wouldn't you? you know, <laughs> I'm speaking in Jericho next week. Come along and hear me. I'm the one who closed the heavens. I may open them. Come and hear me. You know, I think, go and present yourself. I've closed the heavens. No, go hide yourself. He really is a servant of God. He's learned God's ways. We've got all sorts of different ideas how God works. No, hide yourself. So he hid himself. He had to go through the famine. He lived through the drought. He wasn't outside of it. He didn't say, curse you all, I'm going to live somewhere else. No, no, he's, he's in it all. He goes through it all. And he did so wonderfully. He did brilliantly. But somehow now, when Jezebel says, tomorrow you'll be like them. Because he had slain all the prophets of Baal. God told him, get rid of these wicked prophets, these horrendous religion. It was so awful. This religion was so awfully pagan, horrible religion. So he'd been doing that. Now suddenly, suddenly, when Jezebel says, you'll be like them tomorrow, he's gone. Suddenly he's run out. Suddenly, it's like going on a long drive and think, oh, the gas is all gone. It's empty. He was suddenly, got, suddenly, he's empty. He's got nothing left and runs for it. Suddenly, nothing left. That can happen to us, beloved. We can be going along and suddenly, one more thing. It's like one more thing. I got nothing left. I got nothing left. And that's what we meet here. Suddenly, this guy who was bold and courageous is now fearful. He's terrified. He was uh, preoccupied with God's glory. Now he's preoccupied with self-preservation. He was standing firm. Now he's running scared. He was holding history. Now he's irrelevant. He was visible and public. Now he's hidden under a juniper tree. Secret. He was clear about issues. Now he's thoroughly muddled. Amazing transformation. How did that come about? There must have come a time when he got his eyes off God. Isn't that true? Must have been a time. It's a bit like Peter. Peter walked on water and then he looked at the waves. 
I believe if he'd kept looking at Jesus, he'd have kept going. There came a moment when Elijah got his eyes off God. What, 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 what happened? Let me just make one or two suggestions. They're suggestions, all right? Things that are in the story may be relevant. The first one that comes to mind is killing the prophets of Baal was what he was told to do. It was God's fury with his horrible religions. There were horrible religions that, that had temple prostitution, offering up your babies on altars. I mean, it's disgusting religion. And God is furious with it, and Elijah is told to deal with it and to slaughter these prophets. But I just want to say, righteous indignation is difficult to handle. Being angry about things that you feel God is with you in it is sometimes difficult to handle. And we can get into that. We can get into things where stuff is happening in society, in our culture, and we feel kind of angry about it. And it's possible to slip out of godliness into something else. And sometimes you can find Christians who are, I will call them this sometimes, single-issue Christians. And you can meet a young man, a young woman, who you feel, wow, what a tremendous Christian. And then you meet them three years later, and there's only one subject they talk about. And they want you to read this book. Have you had this? Have you watched this? And they're, they're, come on, there's just one thing. They, it's like they're eaten up with it. It can happen, beloved. You can find this one issue. It's big. It matters. What about this? Why don't you preach on this more? And you think, these people, they've got, they've got kind of eaten up with the issue. Now, who knows? I'm, not, I'm suggesting that that's one thing that's hard to live with. At some point, Elijah got his eyes off God. At some point, because he ran for it. And it's possible to get your eyes off God when you become preoccupied with an issue. I was in America a lot last year, three times. I was in and out of America. And I felt I saw a lot of that among the church. People taken up with political issues, how we handle the virus, President Trump, this and that. I said, come on, that's not central. These things are important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, come on, come on, be careful. Be careful. You're, this thing that really it kind of was important to you, it's become super important. It's difficult to handle righteous indignation and keep it in proportion. That is true. That is a reality. I've seen lives that look so full of potential. You think, oh boy, that's that one thing now. All, it's all excited about this thing. It's hard to handle. So beware, beware of that. If you know, if you know well, I care so much about this. Just be careful. Is it, is it still God? Or maybe it's taking on a proportion that has become more important to you than knowing the Lord. Somehow Elijah drifted away. Was, was that it? Maybe, maybe that was part of it. Another thing that happened was this. The story thus far is amazing. God said, go hide yourself. And while he was hidden, miracles happened. You know, he was with a, a, a widow woman. Her, her son died. He raised him from the dead. Nobody knew about it. There's no applause. There's no one saying, wow, Elijah. I mean, the boy knew about it. And his mom knew about it. But nobody else knew about it. He's by a brook. He's obeying God. Miraculous provision. Food's provided. It's like, wow, he's experiencing miracles secretly. He's experiencing God privately. Now he's on the mountain in front of a whole nation at Mount Carmel. And thousands are gathered and he calls down fire from heaven. Now that's more difficult to handle. It's, it's easier to handle secret miracles than it is to handle public miracles. Where everyone's shouting, wow, Elijah, you're the authentic guy. You can fall down, call down fire from heaven. The Lord, he is God. Do you know, the name Elijah sounds a bit like that. God is the Lord. He, it's like, Elijah, you're the man, you're the man. Yes, I am the man. Yeah, come and hear me. You know, I am the man. That can happen. That can happen. Maybe, maybe that was part of his problem, that suddenly he's on a big platform. And it's so dangerous when people get suddenly promoted. Sometimes you, 
a young guy can get promoted before he's ready. It's an amazing gift. He's got an extraordinary gift. I don't quite know how to handle it. His character's not formed yet. Maybe this was one of his problems. It says he, he outran Ahab. He said to Ahab, go, because the storm's coming. And he went, he outran the chariot. That must have been pretty exciting. Hey, look at me. I'm outrunning the chariot. I mean, this is quite a day. I can fall fire from heaven. I can outrun chariots. You know, he's here. This is Superman. That could be. That could be. He somehow, when somehow he could face the king, so it won't rain, but suddenly he hasn't got anything left. Maybe that was the snare. The third thing, maybe, maybe it was, the Bible talks about fiery darts from the devil. Ephesians chapter 6, put on their armor because of the fiery darts. Jezebel is a very demonic character in the Bible. A very evil character. Even, even in the book of Revelation, you've got that woman Jezebel. It's, it, often, it, it kind of speaks of somebody who's actually very demonized. Jezebel had really distorted Israel. She had got power over her husband, Ahab. She's setting the agenda. She's a powerful, wicked woman. And she says, tomorrow, you've had it. And a fiery dart. Maybe, maybe that's what it was, a, a supernatural thing. Wicked, powerful, got through. That can happen to us, beloved. We can have something hits us. It kind of hit, hits you with more proportion, a fiery dart. There's something in it that hits you. you think, why, why do I feel it? We need to put on the whole armor of God. Don't take Ephesians 6 casually. It says, put on the fire, put on the armor. Put it on. Put the breastplate of righteousness. Put on that girdle of truth. Put on that helmet because, hey, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. And Satan doesn't play by rules. You know, he's not like those old movies where they're sword fighting and, and, and the enemy drops his sword and the, and the hero stands back, you know, pick it up again. That, that's old movies. These days, I, I love that Harrison Ford thing when he just takes out the gun, shoots him. Uh, the, the, you know, no, we, we, we have to realize Satan does not play according to rules. If you're down, he hits you harder. He says, that's not fair. That's right, he's not, he's not fair. He hits you when you're low. Ladies, he can hit you at the wrong time of the month. You know, when you're not feeling good, you think, good, I'll put the boot in now. He's not considerate. He's, he, doesn't, he doesn't play fair. There are times that, hey, why did that hurt me so much? Why did that get through to me? That, she just said that, but it hurt me so much. He said that, but... Well, it, just, it just got to me. I can't seem to get out of it. Beware, beware. Fiery darts. This time tomorrow, it just it was out of all proportion. This guy's withstood the king. But now the queen speaks, and he's had it. Fiery dart. Be careful. That can happen to you. Maybe there's something in your mind. You think, I wish he'd never said that to me. I can't get it out of my system. I don't know if I can ever forgive her. See, beloved, we, we, can, we can walk with wounds in our lives because we let fiery darts get through. Maybe that was part of it. Maybe, one more, <laughs> he was just emotionally drained. He's emotionally drained. He has lived through this famine. He has prayed earnestly that it would stop raining. It's a secret prayer, and it's happened. It's happened. He's lived through that. He's lived through the crisis. He's lived through God's provision. He's lived through the woman's son dying. He's gone on and on and on, and maybe he's just drained. He's got nothing more to give. You know, it doesn't have to be something sinful. It says of Jesus, virtue went out of him. It speaks in the Bible about being weary in well-doing. Not weary of sinning, no, weary of well-doing. You're just doing, you're just doing, you're just doing. And, and you can just run out. That's perhaps what's happening here. He's just giving, giving. 
and, and if there's no breakthrough as a result of your giving, that's very tough. It's hard. It can, it can get. It can get. It can get right into among a deacons group or an elders group. Like, he doesn't seem to listen to me. He doesn't seem to be for me. And you can. You can feel about. You just give. I do this work. Is it a bit that 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 Martha thing? Saying to Jesus, well, tell her to help me. And Jesus, no, 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 she's, gosh, she's doing fine. But Martha is doing good, a lot of stuff. There's people around. She's a, a good hostess. She's really a good hostess. But why isn't she? You can just run out of steam. There's nothing more to give. That can happen. And, and it wasn't that Martha's doing harmful, but hey, she's, she's lost the plot. And so we need, to, we need to say, Lord, help me with that. Help my heart. Be careful with that. And then disappointment, like, well, you know, it, nothing's happened. <laughs> Three years of praying. The rain, stopped, the rain starts. I'm vindicated. And nothing's changed. It's like you set your heart on something big. You go for it. Maybe a program you're going to do maybe an alpha course, maybe a Christian outreach, maybe a, a social, you know, but nothing happens. All that work, all that preparation, all the training, all that we did, there's nothing to show. Disappointment drains you. And, and delay drains you. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, the Bible says. You just think, oh, I've got nothing more to give. That can happen even in your marriage. You know, you're looking after those little kids every day, every day. You're looking after kids, every kids. It's like, look, Johnny, don't touch that. Johnny, don't. Oh, okay, I'll clean it up. You know, you're looking after the kids, you're looking after the kids, and then the husband comes home from work. Oh, speak, speak to me. Let me have a conversation. And he sits down, picks up the paper and says, when's the meal ready? <laughs> or, or the guy feels, you know, I've it's so hard. I have to hit these bar targets. I have to do this. I have to do this. I've got so much to do. You come home and there's a note saying, dinner's in the oven. What? You can just feel disappointed. It, 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 I don't feel appreciated. That, that drains you. You did all this, but... And that can get into relationships and get into our problems. It can make us run out. It makes us have problems. I think one or two more. Perplexity. Why? I don't understand why. You can go through things and, and then, oh, I see why that happened now. I see why that happened. We had um, a bit of a difficult time last year when Wendy was waiting for her passport to come. And in England, the passport office is crazy now. It was through COVID, I guess, and all kinds of refugees pouring in. So the passport office has had difficulties. And so Wendy sent in for a new passport. They said, oh, it'll take three to five weeks, 15 weeks later. You know, and I'm, I'm, we're both supposed, both supposed to be going to Canada and America. She can't come. I come home. I'm supposed to be going again. She can't come. It's like, wow, this is serious stuff. And then, amazingly, when we look back, we can say, oh, actually, isn't that amazing? Because if she had come, this would not have happened, that would not have happened. And you think, oh, isn't that great? It's wonderful. Because actually, God was in it. You can see those sort of things, can't you? You can say, that was difficult, but I see, I see, ah, now I see what God was doing. I won't bother you with the details, but we can. We can see, hey, God was in it. God was in it. It's when you can't see God in it. You know, you think, I've, I was in that hospital ward, but I had a chance to speak to that person. I missed I, I miss the bus, but while I was at the bus stop, I had that chance to speak. But when you're at the bus and nothing happened, you know, all you do is get soaked, you know. That's, there's no, you can't see. Why? 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 is there ever such a draining thing. I don't understand why. This robs you of peace and joy, perplexity. And then you had fear on the back of that. He's scared. He's scared. Fear is so powerful. It says their hearts fainted them for fear. Fear robs you. And Elijah suddenly has got nothing left. You add, add to that the pace of life of our day. 
It says in Daniel, in the last days, knowledge will increase and men will go to and fro. <laughs> That's what happens, eh? My, my father can remember, or could, he's in glory now, but my father could remember the first car being driven through our town. He remembers that. In his lifetime, men walked on the moon. Boy, <laughs> things are changing, eh? The, the speed of life now. I used to write a letter and send it. I think, well, that's my bit done now. I guess next week I'll have a reply. Now I send an email, and it comes back. It's back in my course again. The speed, the, the speed is huge. So we've got pressure, pressure, pressure. That's what we see is this guy. And so he's undone. And these are some of the things, beloved, that we live with. And maybe here this morning you're feeling, I'm finding it hard. I'm finding it hard. I'm just finding, I mean, I'm vulnerable. I'm vulnerable. Elijah was vulnerable. He just, he didn't realize it. Sometimes you don't, you don't realize it, but he was vulnerable. Suddenly, it's, in the story, it's amazing. You think, they think this guy is superhuman. No, he's a man like us. And suddenly it becomes clear. And he runs for it. And, and he gets into a place of total despondency. He says, I've blown it. I'm no better than my father's. And he says, he ran into the wilderness. Now, when the Bible says that, it probably means more than it happened to be wilderness. It's like when it says, Judas went out and it was dark. It says in the Gospels, he went out and it was dark. Boy, was it dark. He ran away into the wilderness. People stop coming. You think, where, where is she? Where is she? They're not in church anymore. They, they just couldn't take anymore. They went out to the wilderness. And he went out, and it's interesting. It says at one point, he left his servant. If you notice that in the Bible reading, he left his servant. Well, who's his servant? Where does Elijah get a servant from? Well, some people have suggested maybe it was the boy, the woman's son. Because we don't know where a servant came from. But when he's living with this widow and raises her son from the dead, maybe he said, can I go with you? He, he, maybe he's the servant. And it says at one point, he runs out into despondency and he says to the boy, you stay here. Why? I don't think you can stand those eyes anymore. Those eyes that look up to him. Elijah, my hero. Elijah, who rose me from the dead. Elijah cared for my mother. My hero, Elijah. Where are we going, Elijah? Stop looking at me. I'll leave you behind. You want to watch yourself when you realize, I don't want Christian fellowship. That's one of the steps. When you begin to lose it, I don't want fellowship. I don't want people talking to me. I don't want people who used to know me. Backing off, getting on your own. Beware, that's one of the hints we see. It leaves this boy behind. I don't want this boy with me anymore. And he's going out into real despondency, real loss of purpose. Until he says, take my life from me. As I said at the beginning, he prays the suicide prayer. Isn't it amazing how near the suicide prayer is? I don't want to live anymore. You been there yet? Some people get there. I don't want to live anymore. Elijah, Elijah, he got there. It's a great man. Take my life from me. Now let's turn the page and see how God responds to all this. God responds to it, and, and it's wonderful. Just first of all, notice what God does not do. So God does not reprimand him. There's no reprimand. There's no, hey, what do you mean, take your life? There's none of that. There's no reprimand. God does not condemn him. And nor does God write him off. He's not finished with him. That's wonderful. If you feel you've been through this, God hasn't finished with you. We've been seeing that kind of stuff this morning. We've been seeing songs like that. He doesn't let us go. He's still with us. Elijah, he's still in God's hand. God doesn't ignore him. Grace does not mean he ignores you. He's absolutely there. 
And grace is shown in beautiful ways in the stories. First of all, let him sleep. I wonder if you've seen that. That's the first thing. Let him sleep. It's interesting. The Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual. We are tending, if people have a bit of a cave-in, to think, hey, we better cast some demon out of them. Yeah, get demons out of this guy. Get him, he's in trouble. God says, let him have a sleep. The Lord's my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He enters. The first thing is, man, have a rest. Some of us are just so driven. We don't have a rest. And, and, and just so very simple and beautiful, tender and kind, are you building in rest? Are you a driven person? You know, grace sets us free. We're not trying to vindicate ourselves. We're hidden in Christ. We're not needing to try and impress God. I'm hidden in one who's already impressed him. I can rest because what Jesus did. It's wonderful. On the seventh day, God rested. God made man on the sixth day, so his first day is rest. We enter into rest. The Lord's my shepherd. He makes me lie down. The gospel gives us internal rest. And here, hey, let him sleep. I've, I've, I've served lots of pastors over the years, and I've had to say to some, are you really, when's your day off? When is your, I do this and this. When, when, when is your day off? Well, I used to have one. Come on. Come on. Pace your life. Take care. Especially in this day of stress when so many demands are being made. Are you having a rest? That's the first thing he does. He lets him sleep. Let him sleep. Then the next thing, I thought this is so fascinating. The next thing, he wakes up and the angel has made him a cake. I mean, that's not bad, eh? An angel has made him a cake. Have you noticed this? When he's being obedient, the Lord said, arise and go. Elijah arose and went. I love it. Again and again in the story. Elijah arose and went. Go to the brook. So he goes to the brook. And obedient, he's thoroughly obedient prophet. He goes to the brook. What happens? A raven feeds him. Don't get much fellowship with ravens. Oh, thank you. Okay. The raven again. When you run away scared, an angel feeds you. That's pretty good. When you're obedient, the raven. When you're running away, an angel. That's the kind of God we serve. God comes, I mean, God is so tender, beloved. You think of Simon Peter, so I don't know him, I'm not with him. I, 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 know, I don't know him at all. I know I've got a similar accent. I'm not with him, I'm not with him. Then you find Jesus on the side of the lake after resurrection. Have you caught anything? It's the Lord. And what's it? Hey, he's cooked some fish here. Come and eat. But I denied you. Do you love me? Wow. Wow. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. You run away, you feel I failed him. And he runs after you with an angel. Feeds you with supernatural food as he's running away. And then notice this. Elijah, ultimately after a rest and eating, he remembers where to run. He's no longer just into the wilderness. He runs to Horeb, which is another name for Sinai. He runs to back to the mountain of the revelation of God, the Sinai, where God appeared, where God gave the commandments, where God met with Moses. See, beloved, we know too much as Christians that when you get down, actually you know enough. You know where to go. You know a saviour. You know, you think, no, I know, I know. I know when I was saved. I know, I know I've got verses. I've got, we know enough. We know where to run to. Elijah knew enough. I'm going to go back to my covenant God. I've lost it. Somehow I've lost it, but I'm going back to my covenant God. He goes back to Horeb. And there, when he gets to Horeb, God begins to deal with him. We know enough. Let's go back to God. And he goes back to God and then you get this encounter with God. And you find God asking him this, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
And there's, this is such an important question, really. You see, when, when you just want to die, when you say, I'm no better than my father's, I am a waste of time, I am a blob, I'm a nothing, I, I know, I've, I've been there. I was doing door-to-door -door evangelism when I first left my secular job. And I was the worst door-to-door -door evangelist on the planet. I was terrible at it. And I, I moved onto this housing area. I hired a, a room to, with, with unsaved people. And I went from house to house every day. And I was useless at it. Useless. No one got saved. I mean, it was awful at it. And I, and I, and I just thought, I want to die. I've been there. I want to die. Yeah, and you just feel, I remember feeling, Lord, if I was in a situation, I mean, I haven't said this publicly, I don't think, but I did this in my, I know this. I was in a situation, I thought, if I was in an accident situation, a bus is coming down the road, and there's one other person, I should die, not them. Because there can't be anybody worse than the mess I am. That's how low I got. I thought, you know, if it's a little girl, I should save her, because well, what am I on the planet for? I'm a waste of time doing this. That's how low you can get. That's how low I got. And you feel I'm a nothing. And God says, Elijah. Oh, I'm not nothing. It's like, Terry? I thought I was nothing. What are you doing here? So you can get so low, you don't feel you've, you've hardly got a name. What am I on the planet for? Elijah? It's like, wake up, Elijah. What are you doing here? You've got a name. <laughs> you've got a name. And some of these wonderful Bible characters, Jacob, you crook, you're going to be Israel, prince with God. Yeah, when God starts with you, <laughs> he kind of gives you a name. Abram. Abraham. These guys who make mistakes, they lie about their wives. They say, they say, oh, no, no, she's my sister. Dreadful things these great men of faith did. How dangerous is that? I mean, how low can you get? Abraham, I've called you. <gasps> Jacob, you are Israel now. Elijah, beloved, if you're his, he knows your name. He's for you. We've sung it. He's for you. He's with you. You do not yield to, I'm a waste of time. I don't know what I'm on the planet for. You don't yield to that because he calls you by name. There's something wonderful about God speaking your name. God knows your name. I was in a meeting in London just before we came away, and there's a, a very powerful Indian evangelist who has gift of word of knowledge. And he, and he called out a lady from the meeting by her name. And she's like, how do you know my name? And then he said, who is, and said Stephen, I believe. That's my son. It's like, yes, he knows, he knows your name. It's like, well, God knows my name. Of course he does. Elijah, you're not a blob. You're my son. Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? He's reminding him. Of his identity and his responsibility. See, sometimes we just want to stroke people when they're down. Just show compassion, yes. Compassion's wonderful, but hey, Elijah, come on, what are you doing? There's a, we sometimes need to hear a serious word. What are you doing? Come on. Responsibility. Wake up. You're Elijah. What are you doing? There's a call to responsibility. And we can sometimes be too, too sentimental. God knows exactly the right mix. You give him angel food, but now, come on, Elijah, what are you doing? There's a terrific call in that. Simon, son of Jonah, I'm a mess. I denied you. I'm weeping. You told me I would deny you. I said I wouldn't. I, uh, the cock crowed. He went out weeping. I'm a mess. I'm a waste of time. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? That name, that personal relationship. Come on. <laughs> when God starts with you, he has no intention of backing off. He's not shocked by you. You know, when, when, when God 
found Simon, he didn't say to God, Jesus found Simon, he didn't say to God, I found a real star this time. This guy Simon's coming after me. Wow, what a find. I've found a really great guy. No, he knew him. Simon, son of Jonah, you will be, Peter. You will be. He wasn't shocked. Simon, I, I never thought you'd let me down. I know, he knows all about me. He's still committed. <laughs> what a wonderful God. He knows all about me and he's still committed. Simon, son of Jonah, Elijah, what are you doing here? There's a great display of power, but God's not in. It's, we kept reading that. It wasn't in the fire. It wasn't in the thunder. It wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in it. And then what? A gentle whisper. I love that. A gentle whisper. You see, you can sometimes, when you're feeling low, you could be in a great meeting. You could be in great worship. You can be a terrific, but somehow God's not in it for you. There's a firework display going on, but you can't find God. You're there, but it's not touching you. Then you hear this gentle whisper. You're the gentle whisper. It says uh, in Psalm 18:35, "Your gentleness make me great." That's David who said that who's got so much blood on his sword, he's not allowed to build the temple. He's a warrior. David is a fearless warrior, and he says, your gentleness is what makes me great. And in the same psalm, it says in verse 19, he rescued me because he delighted in me. Do you believe God delights in you? It says in the scriptures, you should be called, my delight is in her. He delights in us. Whether we mess up or not, he delights in us. That's what grace teaches me. He delights in us. And then the very last thing is this. He reinstates him. You see, we often think, well, that's the end of Elijah. Actually, Elisha now replaces him. No, that's not true. You look at the story. And I guess Elijah must have thought, I used to talk to kings. That's all over. God says, now go and make kings. What we read in the passage, go and make him king. Make him king. Yeah, you make him king. You appoint him to be king, him to be king. Wow, I, th I thought that sort of thing was all over. I thought I'd blown it. It's not, now, Elijah, run along. I've forgiven you, run along. Beloved, it isn't run along. It's go, and when you arrive, that's what the passage says, when you arrive, it's not run along, okay, I've forgiven you, goodbye. No, 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 I am reinstating you. I'm that's what it's about, reinstatement. It's like the word, the word of the Lord came a second time to Jonah, the same word, reinstated. It's not just, okay, I forgive you, run along, you've messed up. No, I, a word comes again. Now go and make him king, make him king, and Elisha shall be prophet in your place. Get time with him. What, you mean another one like me? Yeah, I want another one like, you want another one like me? I thought, who wants another one like me on the planet? I do. I want another one like you. And stop this me only thing. I only. Stop thinking like that. You're so one locked in. Get caring for somebody else. And there's an overlap of some years. Elisha serves Elijah for some years. So like Paul, he could say, Timothy has served me like a son with a father. He knows my ways. So give yourself to this guy because I want another one like you. <laughs> what would he want another one like me for? Elijah's not finished at all. Later on, you get the story of Naboth's vineyard. He's a powerful guy. He goes on. So we mustn't write him off. He's completely reinstated. He learns, my delight is in you. My delight is in you. Delights in us. He doesn't abandon us. He's for us. He knows things can drain us. He knows we can be robbed. He knows we can get weary. We can get distracted. We can lose the plot. We can be found out. We can get fiery darts. Things can happen to us. God does not say, I'll get out of here. 
He's for us. He takes us on. He's going to stand by us. He's going to see us through. Can we stand to pray, please? Lord, I thank you that you know us absolutely. You take us on in our weakness. You take us on when we have nothing to give. And then sometimes we accomplish a few things and we think we're making a contribution. And then we get a wake-up call. And we thank you. You don't, you don't abandon us. I just want to ask you to just come to Jesus now. If you feel in any way what I've been saying is applicable to your world and you feel, yeah, I, I feel I'd run out. I've, I've kind of run out. I'm vulnerable. I've got fearful. Why don't you pray just like, like I'm going to lead you in prayer. Just say, Lord, thank you for your unchanging love. Thank you for your 100% commitment. Thank you, Lord. I can't hardly believe it, but you delight in me. You delight in me. I just want to come back. I want to come back. You know, I've been trying to be busy. Maybe I've been a bit like Martha. But I want you. I want to renew fellowship with you. Just come to him. Come to him. Let him whisper. He came like a gentle whisper. Let him whisper into your heart. I'd love to pray for you. If, if you prayed that sort of thing, if you feel God's spoken to you this morning, may I pray for you? If, you, if you've prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand where you are right now? I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. Just raise your hand as we're all praying. That's right, that's right, that's right. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Just raise your hand where we are now. Okay, we've called on God. I, I want to ask you, Father, for my dear brothers and sisters, I thank you so much that we hear your voice. You know us, Lord. You know us so well. And Lord, I thank you that you have ambition for us way beyond our own personal ambition. And some of us confess, Lord, we, we lost our ambition. We thought it was a waste of time having any ambition because what on earth can we do? And Lord, I just thank you. You have more ambition for us than we could ever dream. And I ask you right now, Father, please renew hope and joy, fellowship. Let them meet with you in new ways. Let them feel freshly commissioned, freshly embraced, freshly loved. Take them into what you have for them, Father. Let them bear much fruit for your glory. Thank you. You're a God of restoration. Bless each one, I do pray, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.